podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Stu's Wrestling Podcast, episode four. Have I got a treat for you this week, guys? It's Brawling Bo Cooper. He's well known in the Southern California area for pro wrestling. A veteran of the sport, he's paid his dues over many, many years. He's been in the business for over 20 years. It was an absolute pleasure to get Bo on. It was uh, It was just an absolute brilliant interview it flowed so well uh, we get on great as well which helps matters yeah, i've been in contact with both for many years so it was just cool to get a veteran on someone who's been in the ring knows exactly what it takes to be a wrestler uh, it was just fantastic so yeah here we go without further ado brawling bo cooper episode four enjoy guys it is my pleasure and honor to have american veteran wrestler Brawling Bo Cooper on the line today from Southern California. How's it going, Bo? Hey, Stewie, man. Thank you for having me. It's going good out here. A little gloomy today out here in Los Angeles, but it's it's a, it's a nice day, and uh, it's a pleasure to have uh, myself on your podcast, man. It's been a while. I'm glad we got it sorted out, right? We always uh, miss <laughs> each other with time. time. <laughs> I, oh, man, I tell you, I've, I'm trying to get so many guests on, and it's just people don't have time, do they, to, to you know, it's getting spare time to do things. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with a full-time job, now that I'm not, you know, trying to make a career out of pro wrestling anymore, you know, it's hard for me to, you know, sit down and talk, but I'm glad we got the opportunity to, too, man, because I know you're passionate. Uh, oh, man, to be on your show. I'm a fan, you know, I'm, you've got to be a fan, haven't you, first and foremost? Uh, you know, everyone, anyone, anyone claims that they're not a fan of pro wrestling, you know, they're lying to themselves, because, you know, I mean... You got guys that are saying that they're not fans. You know, they just do it for you know the fame and money. But they're 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 fans deep down. You know, I mean, I think the only one that wasn't a fan was probably Ultimate Warrior at one point. <laughs> well, we heard all the stories, didn't we, about him backstage and you know how 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 he was. Yeah. But yeah, he was he was a mega he was a mega star though. Oh yeah, he was my favorite growing he, up as a kid. He know, was I he was a lot of. Uh, he was mine oh, too, mate. Rubbed it all over my face, you know. <laughs> He he was my he was mine too. I was I was more him than Hogan. Really, yeah, me yeah, too, for sure. Yeah, for sure. just the energy, just he was he was awesome. He was awesome. Right, Bo, uh, when did you first start watching wrestling? That's the first question. Uh, well, when I first started watching wrestling, I was really young. I, I remember watching it. Um, on the TV, you know, just browsing through on Saturday mornings. And I remember, like, a cartoon came on around probably 1996, 97. I mean, or no, I'm sorry, 86, 87, because uh, I was probably eight years old, you know, at the time. And I looked at the cartoon, and I was like, wow, this is cool. So then I remember she told my mom, I want to watch, you know, WWF or whatever. And she found a station and, you know, let me watch it. And I, and I, and I really dug it. You know, I, I remember my first match I ever witnessed live. I think it was, like, Hercules versus... Uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, and then I was like, wow, this is so cool, these guys are larger than life, you know, and, and then I kind of got a little older, and I, you know, started playing with, like, other, you know, action figures, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, I kind of grew out of, you know, the whole wrestling thing for a little bit, but then I started watching it again, I remember it was, uh, I want to say it was Survivor Series, uh, you know, T- uh, Undertaker versus Hogan was what, what the first pay-per-view I, I remember specifically 
watching and I thought, wow, this is so awesome. You know, and they brought back a spark, you know, for me to really become a fan. You know, I was probably about 12 then. I was like 12 or 13. And, and, I, and I just became an avid fan and I told my mom, you know, I wanted to start going uh, to all the shows out here locally at the, at the LA Sports Arena. You know, she used to drive me down there to the local house shows and we'd go and watch and it was just a good time, you know. And then, and then I remember sitting in my living room probably when I was about 13, 14 years old. I had to been 14. No, I was about, well, let me go back a little bit. I, I skipped the whole section there. So when I was 12 years old, I remember going to the WWF house show and I was standing in the outside waiting for all the wrestlers to come in and there was only probably about like four four to five you know, different fans there because it was super early. And I remember a bunch of you know no-name wrestlers were coming in and they were just you know getting their gear bags out of their trucks. I didn't recognize any of them. But I, I remember you know yelling to one of them, hey, I want to be a wrestler too. And he walked over, he took the time over, and he said, hey, if you're serious, kid, you know, here's a phone number, you know, you can you can call. And my mom, you know, obviously, because I was a minor, she grabbed it. She said, okay, well, thank you, you know, sir, we appreciate you. Um, so I was like all excited. I said, mom, this guy gave me a phone number to call. So when we got back home, I called the number, and it was Bill Anderson's wrestling school. And that was in Southern California. And yeah. he said, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a little too young to train. Call me back when you're a little bit older, kid. I said, okay, well, that sucks, but I'll, I'll call you back. <laughs> um, so about a year later, I was listening to a local podcast TV show, kind of like a network, uh, local network thing called the Shadows, uh, Shadow Man's Wrestling Circle. And he was mentioning a wrestling school that was opening up called the School of Hard Knocks in San Bernardino. So I was like, well, wow, this is my, this is my chance, you know. So I called the wrestling school. I spoke with Jesse Hernandez, and, I, and Bill Anderson was actually um, – an owner there as well. So I traveled down there on a Saturday morning with my mom and I got there and I looked around and, you know, they said, yeah, we'll, we'll accept you as long as you know you, your, your parents signed a waiver. So I signed a waiver. And here's the funny part about this whole story is that the first day that I started training, which was that day, my mom paid the money and I said, I want to be a wrestler. You know, I was only 14 years old. Luis Spicoli, that's the gentleman that I saw at the WWF show. He's yeah. the one that wrote down the number. I remember Luis. to that school. Yeah. yeah, he came to the school that day, and he remembered me. So it was just—it was almost like it meant it was meant to be. Yeah, and I was yeah. There, the timing and all that, you know. And you know, Louis was cool, you know, and, and he he taught me a lot, you know, growing in, up in the business. And I always looked up to him because he was the first person to actually take his time out and contact me, and or I mean, uh, come up to me, and uh, you know, after I yelled his name, and I said, "Hey, I want to be a wrestler just like you." And then we were off to the races, man. And I started training, and I had my first pro match in 1996. Who who was the first pro match against? Can you remember? Yeah, I remember. It was at the anniversary show for the Empire Wrestling Federation, which was the school of Hard Knocks, the same school that I was teaching at. It's their promotion, which they're still going strong. They're actually having their twenty May twenty third, their first. Uh, I mean, they're having their anniversary show. My first opponent ever, believe it or not, because I was a big kid. I mean, I was six foot one probably at the time, probably about two ninety, and I remember wrestling this big old three hundred fifty five pound biker guy with no teeth long hair big old hairy back and he dressed like a harley davidson guy his name was crazy casey and i was scared shitless but at the same time <laughs> he was a nice guy to be yeah there. he knew that i was a kid well you know he knew that i was a kid he knew that i worked hard because i trained for two years and i got my ass kicked i got you know concussed i got you know uh, i broke my i broke my hand i mean all this happened within two years and, you know, my mom's like, are you sure you want to do this, kid? Because you're getting beat up in there with a bunch of adults that are sweaty, big men. I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. Nothing's going to stop me. So, they, you know, they wanted to make sure that I was completely fully trained and ready to get out there and wrestle. And they gave me a guy. They threw me to a guy who was, you know, 
a scary gimmick, but a really nice guy at heart because he, he took no liberties on me and he, we, were, we went out there and had a really good match. You know? there was, there was, a, there, was there was a level of protection. He, he, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is what a lot of guys don't didn't do, did they? Right, yeah. I mean, yeah. nowadays promoters will just throw anyone with anyone and it's like, you know, I earned that spot and, and it was, you know, someone that took care of me even though I was scared to death. You know, he told me, hey, kid, just listen to me. Let's go out there and have fun, you know. Plus, when I first started wrestling for about two years, I was under a hood. You know, I, I wore a mask because I had a baby face. I had long blonde hair and I had a, a baby face, you know, because I, I was only 16. But yeah. I had a big body but a big baby face. You know, I smiled a lot. So they put me under a hood. They called me the American Hangman. So it was like an executioner gimmick. You know, I came out in a dark cloak and all this other cool stuff. But it was their idea. You know, obviously they wanted to protect me because I don't know if that was because they didn't want to embarrass themselves if I fucked up or if they... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, am, I allowed to, am I allowed to cuss on here? I apologize. I, I, was, asked, I was asked this question. I've got um, I've got a referee from in this country coming on. He asked me that. Yeah, yeah you can swear. There's no... It, it's fine. It, it's, it's fine I mean, by me. I don't me. need to, but I just sometimes... No, 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 out, no, no, no. It's, it's fine. We were... I'll, keep it to, I'll keep it to a minimal, Stu. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's fine by me, mate. You tell the story, so it's, it's all good. Yeah, I just get worked up, you know. How long? How long did you work for for the uh, that company then? Well, the Empire Wrestling Federation, yeah. man. I mean, they they're my home, and I wrestled with them probably straight for about six years. I didn't go anywhere else because I was just learning and you know engaging and, and becoming better. And and they had so much opportunity because they've been around for you know so well. My trainers were you know. But Jesse was a WWF referee. Bill Anderson was a WWF, you know, ring announcer. Both of them have wrestled at WWF, you know. Um, so it was one of those things where they had a lot of connections and they would do outside bookings. I mean, my first time I ever went to Tijuana and wrestled in, in the main event, I was probably 17, 18 years old, only two years, a year into the business. And I was sitting there wrestling guys like, you know, Honky Talk Man and Los Brazos. And, and I was doing the clown man in Mexico. But I, I continuously still, you know, here and there wrestle for them. Um, you know, obviously my injuries have taken a toll, so I don't do it too much. But my my partner and my 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 student right now, he has uh, been wrestling for them as well. So it's cool to you know turn turn the legacy onto him. Now yeah, yeah, like cool. His style, uh, you know, yeah, it's come full circle for me. You know, it's good that you can live it through him as well. Yeah, I that's that's yeah. nice considering. I I can't believe like it's crazy like that. It was two years of training. I thought you would have been in there a lot quicker. Well, you know what I mean. I don't know if it, like I said, I don't know if it was because I sucked, which I probably did, you know, I didn't know what I was doing because I was a kid and there was guys in there that were, you know, going 100 miles an hour and, and, and you know, being wrestlers and I was just, you know, they had to slow down a little bit and teach me like the right way because I'm not going to lie, man, you know, I mean, I was nervous as shit because I, you know, I was a minor, but they, you know, no one, I never got liberties taken on me and got my ass kicked, but they kicked my ass pretty hard to make sure that I was in there, you know what I mean? Like, no one beat me up to the point where I was, like, you know, bleeding out my eyes or anything, but they, they were rough on me, and it's like, they said, okay, kid, well, you're in our world now, and if, if you want to become one of us, you can come back next Saturday after we give you a couple chops and give you a couple stiff, you know, clotheslines, but, you know, guys that were, like, teaching me when I was breaking in the industry, like Chris Daniels came from Chicago into our school, and he was fresh on the scene trying to break you know his name out here in california and he was training with us so he taught me a lot i mean i give a lot of in-ring credit to him you know teaching me how to do a proper planting positioning you know to do yeah. a leaf frog or you know how to carry yourself you know light up for a body slam and guys like you know bobby bradley who was rob van damme's tag team partner in japan you know taught me how to take no no bs from anyone just go out there and have a hard-hitting you know, match and stuff. So, you know, there was a lot of different people that I looked up to, you know, yeah. breaking in. But two years, two years definitely, you know, 
they wanted to make sure that if I did go out, you know, and I was a student of theirs, they wanted to make sure I was polished, you know, and I wasn't hurting anyone or myself. Right. Okay. That's, so you had some, you had some big, you know, obviously they're big names now, but there was a lot of people passing through. You say Chris uh, Daniels. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'll, I'll make a quick point. Like nowadays, if someone says, hey, man, we're going to make you a pro wrestler within two years, people would probably laugh and never come back. Cause, you know, a lot of people are entitled now. They want entitlement. They want it right away, you know, and it's, I, I did too, you know, but I think yeah, that, that my yeah. trainers were testing me, you know. Nowadays, people will go out there, uh, they'll, they'll go to a school, they'll pay 25 bucks or whatever, yeah. and they'll train for a couple months, maybe three yeah. months, and then they'll think of themselves that they're professional wrestlers, and they'll go out and get booked because promoters nowadays don't give a shit. They just want to book guys uh, you know, that are cheap, and, and they don't care if they're ready or not. They just want to you know, fill their card up, and it's, it's completely changed you know, because back then when I was wrestling – you know, you had to earn a spot. You had to pay your dues, and you had to make sure that you know if you were out there on a card with guys that were, you know, somebody. You need to make sure that you know they're going to respect you just as much you respect them. But it's things have changed, you know. You've got it, like you're saying. It's that element it has to be safety, but you know, us us as fans, we don't really know the inner workings, do we? <laughs> yeah, I mean, nowadays I think it's become a lot clearer to fans. You know, you got fans nowadays that are you know set setting up rings and becoming referees rather than you know and i mean shit even some wrestlers are becoming i mean maybe some fans are claiming to be wrestlers because like i said they go to the wrestling schools yeah, yeah. and they learn a couple they learn a couple moves and then they think that they're the superstars and they can go travel and do things you know and it's like there's no principle anymore for telling these guys you know hey you're not ready you know, like you have to, you have to be at least in my day, you know, adoned to say you're ready to go out there and perform. Yeah. You know, now anyone can just go out there and perform if they if they want to, and that's that's partially the promoter's fault. So I don't know how it is over there in the UK, but there's so many federations across you know California now that are just saturated with guys that just aren't ready. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ultimately, I'm not, not knock, I'm not taking a yeah, I'm not taking a knock on these guys because no. they were you know, throwing a ring and saying, hey, go ahead and wrestle, you know, I would probably do the same damn thing, you know, because I was eager to get in the ring, but I'm glad it took me two years. It was for the best, wasn't it? From what you're telling me, you know, you you know, you know, were not put in a position, yeah, were you? 100%. Um, where, which other promotions did you work for? Did you come out of California? Uh, yeah, I mean, I traveled to Colorado, um, I, I worked for Rocky Mountain Championship Wrestling for a guy named Blind Mike. That was like my, uh, you know, out of state. I was like one of my first out of states uh, shows. I had a good time up there. Um, I wrestled for Arizona Rowdy Wrestling Federation. I got the chance to wrestle uh, Superfly Jimmy Snuka oh, and wow. Talk Man out of that federation. You know, two two main legends that you know were one of one of the one of the biggest memories I got were wrestling those two guys. You know, in front of like four hundred people out in Arizona, which was awesome. Um, you know, taught me a lot, and that that was like when I was already probably 10 years into the business, you know, I like, yeah. got to wrestle those guys and man, it's a, it's a, it's a different story when you're wrestling veterans that have been there mm -hmm. for, you know, 40 years, you know, in the business. So, <laughs> um, I got to wrestle in Tijuana twice, which was awesome. Like I was telling you, I got to wrestle in, in Mexico, which was fun. Uh, learned a lot, learned a lot down there as well because, you know, big old gringo like myself going to Mexico trying to get heat, man, it's a different type of heat, I'll tell you. A lot of independence around California. You know, I won a lot of championship titles. Uh, got places like All Pro Wrestling, Central Coast. 
Um, you know, they produce a lot of guys. They're, they're the ones company that produced like uh, Spark. Uh, what's Holly? What's the other one? Not Bob Holly. I forget. His. He passed away. I can't think of his name. Uh, what's his name? Uh, the Hardcore Holly's partner. Oh, Crash. Mike. Um, Crash. Holly. Yeah, what was Crash, his name? Crash, I'm yeah. trying to think of his real name. I'm normally good with the names, though. Yeah. I can recite he the name. So he was a talented guy, man. I just can't think of his name at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's sad that he passed away. But I, yeah, that was a company that produced him, All Pro Wrestling, and then right. I won titles for I, I won titles for a company called Alternative Wrestling. You know, they, they they've been huge. They're still going. Uh, Bar Capacity out here in California. He he books a lot of um, uh, women shows now, which are awesome. But um, yeah, I mean, just multiple federations that you know gave me a shot. Yeah. Because my whole thing was, you know, I'm a big dude, but I could move. You know, it was one of those things where I wasn't just. The, yeah, typical powerhouse. Yeah, where I just yeah. The ring and body slam people. I like to work, you know. And so a lot of promotions, you know. And plus, me coming from a, a school like the School Hard Knocks, it gave me a reputable name to go yeah. out there and, and say, "Hey, look, my name is Brawling Bill Cooper, Jesse Hernandez." You know. Yeah, and, uh, trained you. Yeah, so yeah. it's good to have a good school behind you, you know. Good, good on the old uh, CV. <laughs> good to have it What's on. What's that? Good, good to have it on the CV. Like obviously, when you were going to work in other places, I suppose. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, Bo, what do you what do you think of the current scenes? Like, I mean, worldwide now, because um, I I read a lot about um, wrestlers not selling correctly. What are your thoughts on that? The art of selling. I mean, that's the art of selling is you know what fans came to pay their money to see. You know, if you if you if you don't give the fans someone getting beat up in front of you, you know, then they're going to be disappointed in my opinion. I mean, I want to see someone get beat up to the point where I have a little bit of mercy for the guy and then have the, you know, the underdog come back and yeah. make a big comeback and kick the guy's ass at the end. I mean, that's at least what, as a fan standpoint of view, that's what I'd want to see. I mean, there's a lot of good wrestlers out there, man, that do a hundred mile an hour high spots, which are fun to watch. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I pop on that sometimes myself, but you know, my whole thing when I'm teaching my students now is, you know, you got to pick and choose to go 100 miles an hour. You know, you got to have your, you got to slow it down a little bit and interact with the crowd. You got to sell. You got to show facial expressions from the moment you get through that curtain all the way to the end of it. You know, because if a camera zooms up on you when you're taking, you know, a pin on someone and you're going for the pin and you're just sitting there with no emotion, it doesn't look good. But if you have that leg hooked and you're sitting there with your teeth, you know, showing and you're struggling, you know what I mean? You know, that's the whole beauty of it where you're trying, you know, you're trying. And if, if you're getting your ass kicked in the ring and you're not selling for the guy, it's just disrespectful to him. And it makes you look like you're a, you know, a, a no good superstar. That's too good to be in there with someone. So it's, you know, I, I, like there's guys nowadays that are local that they can do a cool high spot but there's no noise. <laughs> it's yeah. like literally move after move after move after move after move, and they're not making any noise whatsoever or even stopping to let the crowd realize what they just witnessed and even to give you a pop. They're just going from one spot to the next spot to the next spot, and it's like, dude, slow it down. Let the crowd interact and absorb what you're doing in front of them, and that's you know that's how you get your pops. At least, like if me and you went to go out there and did a little high spot real quick, and I had got you know over on you, I would stop and look at the crowd and talk some crap, you know, yeah, or whatever, time. or, or yeah. raise my arm at least and get a pop, you know. Do you think they? Do you think they rush? Do you think these young young people rush the matches these days? What you what your thoughts? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. They, you know, there's no. Bruce Pritchard told me, man, when I had my little tryout in front of him, you know, he said, just remember out there, 
less is more. Yeah. Less is more. And I, and you know, I probably was like, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate it, but let's go out there and rock the house and do, you know, I thought, but I mean, it's just mentality now, man. These kids, you know, they want to get over and do a whole bunch of shit, which is cool. I, I appreciate hard work, you know, but it's like, you gotta, like I said, let the crowd absorb it. You gotta have interaction. You know, you can do cool high spots, but pick and choose when, you know, because I feel like you said, they rush everything right away and they try to go out there and just do a million spots without yeah. even having any psychology, really. It's, so I, I, I'm not a worker, am I? I look at it from a fan perspective, so it's just good to hear from uh, you guys, guys in the in the industry. Um, you you know, agree? <laughs> I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you know. I mean, you, well, well, let me ask you. What do you think when you see? I mean, guys going 100 miles an hour with no, you know. I mean, which I mean, do you, do you enjoy that type of? Uh, they go. They go. I, I don't think they know how to tell the story. With, with, right. within the moves and, and stuff if you know what I mean I'm going back to like when Bret Hart was in there Bret Hart's still my favourite of all time um, and just Bret it was just a I just had a meaning behind it especially when he was fighting Austin and I think the feud of Austin could have gone longer uh, it, right, was, it, was right. cut, it was cut short for me they know how to tell a story it made sense uh, to me as a right. fan because they yeah because they went 100 miles an hour when they needed to but then yeah. they slowed it down and let Austin get his Big heat, you know. Yeah, and and look, look how it, you know, turned Austin. It, it, right. it was the making. It was the makings of Austin, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I just don't know. I, good stuff. I just don't know. It's it's. Uh, I don't think they know what they're doing. Some of these young, not not seeing all wrestlers don't know what they're doing, but I'm not sure. No, I agree with you, man. I mean, you know, because well, like once again, you know, if. And I'm not saying there's not good trainers out there anymore because there's a hell of a lot of good schools and trainers, you know. But, yeah. you know, I can think of a couple places where the wrestlers are running the locker rooms rather than the promoters and the teachers that have yeah. these guys should be run. You know, and that's that's one thing I always give respect to when it comes to my old federation, you know, EWF, Empire Wrestling Federation, because, you know, you would never, ever be able to shot call what you want to do. You know, the promoters are going to say, hey, look, this is your gimmick. This is what we want you to do tonight. This is what you can and cannot do. Go yeah. out there and tear the house down for us. We appreciate your work, and we want you to come back. You can't just go out there and say, hey, opening match, I'm going to do a hurricane run off the top rope to the outside. You're going to no-sell it. Give me a flying forearm, beat off the apron, and then we're going to go into an arm bar and have you tap out right in the beginning of the match. Why? You know? And there's a <laughs> What's that? Why is it why is it gone that way where the promoters don't lead and tell you what's going on? Why why is that happen? Why is the talent why is the talent dictating what's happening? In your in your well, opinion. I mean honestly, I think that it goes back to the industry being a little bit more exposed now and it goes to where there's not a lot of principle um, when it comes to older vets taking charge and saying like look kid you, you just you show disrespect we're gonna kick your ass in the ring because i mean it's just the whole and it's not even in wrestling it's the whole generation of new you know millennials i mean it's these kids and and a lot of people just don't have a lot of good attitude uh, a lot of kids are cocky nowadays and i don't know where it comes from if it's their parenting or what but yeah i just know that when i was 15 if i walked into a dressing room and i tried to act like a big shot out but it got my teeth knocked out in the ring you know, yeah. um, but to answer your question, I think that it's a lot of, a lot of non-discipline. I think there's a lot of fans that are trying to become pro wrestlers. They pay 25 bucks or whatever the cost yeah. of the school is. They train for a couple of weeks or a month or three months and then they 
get gear made, and then they claim, well, now I'm a wrestler because I got booked on this show because he's booking me. You know, they see other people doing it, so they think they can do it. It's not. And there's no one telling them. Yeah, there's no one telling them. Look, you're not ready. And it's that's, not that it's simple, just, is it? If it was that simple, right. if it was that simple, we'd all we'd all be doing it, wouldn't we? Right. Um, right. I I just think, like you say, people people have a pipe dream, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come to fruition, does it? I mean, everyone has a dream. Everyone wants to, you know, be a wrestler. But in my opinion, you know, if you're going to give something, give it your all. And I'm not saying that you have to go out and travel all the world, you know, but at least, you know, try to make a name for yourself. Try to get, you know, good gear. Try to be trained properly to the point where you, you, you have someone to look up to and, and that ordains you as a pro wrestler because anyone can call themselves one. But, you know, it takes a lot more than a couple flashy moves and, and some good wrestling gear to become a wrestler. You know, you have to tell a story like you were saying you have to, you know, want it. You have to be, you know, you want to be around the business twenty four seven. You want to learn from guys that you've never wrestled before. You don't want to just wrestle your friends here and there on a on a, on a Friday show or something. You know what I mean? I get you. I get you totally. Um, Bo, just to go off topic here, who who were some of your favorite wrestlers growing up? Uh, well, like we were discussing when we first, I don't know even why he became <laughs> the first thing we talked about yeah, was, yeah. was Ultimate Warrior, you know? Yeah. I, I always uh, catch myself, you know, if I'm just doodling or something on the phone, you know, if I'm, I'm bored, I always draw his little Ultimate Warrior symbol. Uh, I was really intrigued by him as a kid. He was probably the worst wrestler that ever stepped in the ring, but his <laughs> whole presence, it was... well, I mean, no, dis- no disrespect to Jim, man, but I'm saying, like, his, you know, in-ring talent wasn't the greatest, but his presence yeah. and his colorfulness and his yeah. lively you know, bigger than life character really made an impact on me, you know, as a kid growing up. I mean, I remember cheering for him at WrestleMania six because I was a kid and I loved his, you know, the whole thing that he was going to take down Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan was so, you know, not forced on us, but he was the only thing we ever saw as a kid growing up usually is, is Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan. So when this other powerful guy came around and said, Hey, well, I'm going to beat Hulk Hogan. You know, I said, okay, great. I want to see this, you know? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, once I got into the business and I started realizing there's a lot more than just making some looks, there's a lot, there's a thing called work rate. I really loved watching Shawn Michaels, you know, of course, uh, even when he was, you know, part of the Rockers, I, I remember watching him more than Gennetti because he would, you know, do the high flying, uh, energetic stuff. But I loved Owen Hart. Owen Hart was always yeah, one of my man. favorites. I actually should have been world champion. Yeah, man, he should have beaten Brett for the title a long time ago. I mean, they should have done that whole gimmick where he became world title yeah. or world champion, you know. Um, yeah, man, Owen Hart was a big influence. And then if you want to talk about bigger guys, you know, I was always a Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, yeah. Mark, I loved, I loved him, you know. So I took a lot of my moves and my look and my whole, you know, Rude Crude tattooed off of his persona because he could move like a... Oh, he's unreal. Kind of, yeah, I mean... Yeah. And I'm not trying to do my own horn, but back in the day, I could move like a cruise. Yeah, so yeah, like, well, I've, seen, I've seen I've seen matches on YouTube, oh, I have I, over you know the last few years. I've, I've Thanks, man. I you, appreciate you, you, you are you, you're ad, agile for your size, mate. That, you know, decept, you. deceptive. So yeah, I appreciate that. You know, yeah, man. So guys like oh, Shawn Michaels, you know, Owen Hart. Um, I was I loved Kerry Von Erich, man. He was always yeah. in Texas Tornado when he was in WWF. I was always a WWF kid. I never really watched a lot of, you know, I mean, I did when they were on TV, but I never went out of my way to go make a point of watching, like, you know, NWA slash uh, WCW. Yeah. But if you want to go that era, man, I mean, I could always talk about, I liked turning on TV and watching, like, you know, the Road Warriors obviously were huge, in my opinion, back in the day. Uh, um, 
tag teams. I like Demolition, you know, so those two teams were always great and cool to watch as a kid. But, yeah, man, I mean, it was one of those things where, I mean, the generation of wrestlers have come and gone, you know, where characters, there's not a lot of characters anymore. So that's another thing, too, I miss, you know, is watching really awesome characters, you know. And some of them were gimmicky, some of them weren't. But, you know, that I think that was what made wrestling special. You know, you're getting out of your element. You're watching guys that were you know, dressed as <laughs> yeah. a weird freak, you know, kicking another guy's ass, you know? Yeah. It was, it was, what uh, about you? Name, name your top five. Of, of all time. Um, yeah. I'd say Brett, Brett is the, Brett is my favorite. Um, I think he became better on the mic when he was heel. His yeah. pro, his promo work got better, I thought, but obviously it was leading up to him going to WCW, wasn't it? So I don't think we saw, he should have, he should have stayed there, man. I was gutted when he went there. And it, obviously, it didn't work out for him, did it, in WCW? Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see, uh, I didn't see anything, you know, coming really fun out of that whole storyline they did with him, you know, with the WCW. It was just, uh, there was too many, they, they got too many stars in, didn't they, basically? Yeah, there was I mean, too many WCW stars there. Just flooded. Um, second, second favorite. Oh, it's, it, I've got there's so many, so many. Um. I liked Flair, but but I I appreciated Flair more when I got older because obviously okay. I hated him as a heel, but that was what he was meant to do, wasn't he? he was, you were meant to hate him, um, but yeah, I appreciated him. Um, million Million Dollar Man, I liked Ted DiBiase when I was younger. Uh, oh, there you go, Mr. Perfect. Kurt Kurt Hennig was unbelievable. I, another guy who could have got the world, he should have got the world title. He Kurt was unreal. Was one of my favorites as well. He was unreal what he could do, and he was ahead of his time, wasn't he? Yep, he definitely was. Uh, tag- sell like the best of them and get the most heat, you know. Tag wise, it'd be Le- Legion of Doom, but I also like Demolition, and uh, I met Demolition at WrestleCon a few years back, uh, so that was cool. Uh, how were they? Were they cool? But Bill Eadie was amazing. Uh, I think I freak smash out a bit, but I'm a bit intense. Uh, so Barry Barry Dorso Barry Dorso was a bit maybe I got the wrong end of the stick he was probably alright but uh, Bill Eadie was gentleman so was Barry Dorso but I just think I freaked him out a bit I was maybe a bit too intense I, I get it I get excited uh, what can I say but yeah uh, out of the, uh, you know, I mean you're seeing your childhood you know heroes in front of you you know out of the current out of the current crop uh, I like Hangman Page um from Ring of Honor. Um, obviously, yeah. he's gone to AEW now, hasn't he? Adam Page, he's he's a talent. Uh, Jay Lethal, I love Jay Lethal. Um, Jay Lethal, oh, yeah. Unreal. Like, he's, he's done so well, considering where he was with TNA. Uh, I just... Is, T- is TNA still even going right now? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're still semi-going. And uh, there was a bit of buzz behind it, wasn't it? Because obviously, Don Callis is there, isn't he? And uh, Scott Demore, they're all trying to... Yeah, reinvigorate I watched, man. Like I no said, I, no I haven't, watched, I haven't watched wrestling in so long man i mean i'll flip through the channels mm. and you know but, but i don't really even watch television that much anymore man i mean i'll watch netflix but it's like go out of my way to watch wrestling not because i don't appreciate anything it's just i don't really have the time you know and i'm just yeah you know so a lot a lot of the promo it's just a lot of the product now man just doesn't interest me man it's just a lot of talking you know it's like there's no in-ring fun anymore unless you're you know guys doing the cruiserweight stuff so i mean i don't know i haven't watched i haven't watched cna in years i didn't even think they were still on tv <laughs> they're all i think i'm trying to think who covers it 
They were with Anthem. Is it Anthem, the channel over there? I, I can't think. Um, but they did... T TNA or TNT was the one that covered it before, I think. They did They did really bad. They drew a really bad um, number of, of, about a month and a half ago, apparently. There was like a really low um, viewer viewership. Uh, yeah. Because they were hoping to turn the corner, and the in-ring products like a lot better. Uh, they they were getting somewhere, but the viewership was terrible. Because I think they need like I'll a, tell you, yeah. They I need, mean, I think they need. What were you say? They need like a top channel to come in, don't they? Like a massive channel. Um, it's always like well, smaller channels coming in for them. Yeah, but I think they're doomed, man. Because I think the next biggest thing that's going to happen is the you know my boys, the Bucks, are going to take over the wrestling world which they already proved they could at, you know that pay-per-view all in you know yeah um those guys are phenomenal i'm really happy for nick and matt man i've known them since they were literally backyarders and they're in their wrestling ring you know and i'll never forget telling a promoter man i was backstage at the show and they came just as normal gear and they wanted to come say hi to some of the boys and the promoter wouldn't let them backstage and i said hey man you better you better take notice of these kids because they're going to be something one day and he's like ah we'll see and then <laughs> you know it's like now look at them you know you but could just tell the aew you could What's tell that? they had star power. Oh yeah, yeah. For sure. I mean, they're they're so talented, you know. And then they got guys like Cody backing them, and their whole their whole segment online has just been genius because you know people they're doing their own promos and they're making their own you know online TV episodes, and it's like people follow that now. And I I was hooked too, man. You know, I was watching their show, and I was like, this is so good, man. This is it makes you want to watch the next episode, you know. I've I've seen I've seen bits fleetingly. I've got some uh, I've got some books T-shirts actually. Caris, you have what? Uh, Young's Young Bucks T-shirts. I've got a couple. Oh, T-shirts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the missus the missus doesn't like me wearing the wrestling T-shirts, but uh, you know, she she just <laughs> she just has to put up with it. She's on about sending them to the charity shops. I've, oh, that's I've, I've told her I've told her no chance. I can't let I can't let go of uh, the wrestling. Well, you know, she should respect it because it's been something that you've watched since you were a little mate, right? That's it, mate. That's it, right, Bo? Don't let, don't let don't let any don't let any woman change you, man. Especially the you know, in in the wrestling, man. You know, if you love wrestling, you love wrestling. Don't let her change her, man. I'm sure she watches reality shows. Or yes, right? yeah, women love reality shows. <laughs> that's their that's their thing, isn't it? Right, Bo? I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to cut it short, mate. My tea's on the table. You got it, brother. It was an honor and a pleasure to talk with you finally, man. I'm glad we got a chance. I've still to do got this and, uh, I've still got more stuff to ask, but I'll, I'll obviously when you can when you can do it. I know you're busy. I'll uh, yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll get we'll you catch up maybe in the summertime. I'll get you. I'll get you back on, mate, because I could I could talk to you for hours. You got it, brother. Like ditto ditto with that, man. Enjoy your tea and uh, continue to support Ball and Bow and uh, Independent Pro Wrestling. Thank you, man. Make sure you, yeah, thanks, buddy. I appreciate you, man. And uh, let me know when this airs. Podcast Network.